today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It doesn't matter whether you believe God's word to you or not, it's still going to happen because it's God's word. It will come to pass exactly as God's word has said it would. Now the onus is on you, Ahaz, whether or not you're going to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, it's still going to happen. If you do believe it, it's still going to happen. Do you ever find yourself doubting God's Word? In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches that God's Word is true, that what the Bible says will come to pass will happen. It will happen whether you believe it will or not. You can trust that God will keep His promises and that His Word is true and endures forever. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 7 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Wow, that's pretty detailed. I'm relatively certain that when Isaiah speaks this to Ahaz, Ahaz is like, oh wow, you even know the name of this puppet king that they want to replace me with? Yeah, he's the son of Tabel. You understand in the Middle East, even to this day, they call you, they name you after your father. Son of Tabel, son of Faez, my father's name. They would also do it the other way around too. Abu Wahid, the father of Wahid. We see it in the Gospels. Jesus, son of Joseph. That's how they would identify them. And so we have his identity. And we're also not only told who, but how. They're going to make a gap in the wall. And that's how they're going to get in. And (laughs) uh, that's pretty detailed. And then after this detail, the Lord has Isaiah tell him that, here's the thing, Ahaz, even though you're a wicked king, and that I want to come back to that in a moment. You would think if it was a good king of which there were only nine, and all of the nine good kings were only in southern Judah. Northern Israel had not one good king that did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. You know, Ahaz is going to have a son. His name, Hezekiah. He was one of those nine good kings. And in our study through Kings and First and Second Samuel and First and Second Chronicles, one of the things we saw was good kings coming from bad kings. In other words, an evil father had a righteous son who would have a righteous reign. And then it went the other way around too. And this is what we see here with Ahaz. His son would be Hezekiah, was one of Israel's greatest kings. Whereas his father, Ahaz, was one of Israel's most evil kings. How about that one? That's interesting in and of itself. So... He's telling him, listen, 
It's not going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. And oh, by the way, fast forward 65 years, and there's not even going to be a northern kingdom of Israel. Ephraim is synonymous with the northern kingdom of Israel. It won't even exist in 65 years. You know, actually we know that within two years, these two kings that were coming against King Ahaz, they're taken out in two years. They're not even around anymore. In other words, Ahaz, it's not going to happen. This is why you don't need to fear. But let's talk just a minute about this point of, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Think this through with me. You know what he's saying to him? Whether you believe this or not, is not going to affect the outcome, but it will affect you. See, I've given you my word. This will not come to pass. This plot against you will not prevail. I will never let it prevail, because the Savior of the world is going to come from this lineage, from David. I made David a promise. He could not build me a temple, but I would build him a house, because from him would come the Savior of the world. And I've already given my word, so it ain't going to happen. Now, you can believe it or not, Ahaz. It doesn't matter whether you believe God's word to you or not, it's still going to happen because it's God's Word. It will come to pass, exactly as God's Word has said it would. Now the onus is on you, Ahaz, whether or not you're going to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, it's still going to happen. If you do believe it, it's still going to happen. But if you don't believe it, then you shall not be established. Translated, if you don't believe it, the impact's on you. The effect is on you. You lose, and He will. Because as we're about to see, He will not believe this. He will not trust in the Lord. He will put His trust in man. Moreover, verse 10, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, this is interesting, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. In other words, you want a sign that what God has said is true, God's word to you? Ask for a sign. I don't care how outlandish it is, height or depth. You just ask me for any sign. Hey, if I may ask, I'm like, anything? Yeah. All right. You sure, right? Yeah, anything, any sign. Okay. Well, Ahaz doesn't do that. What does he do? Verse 12, but Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. What? 
What, what is this, a trick question? I mean, almost at first read you think, good answer, good, you passed the test, because thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. Problem. Unless and until the Lord says, yeah, I want you to test me. Wait, we're not supposed to test the Lord, right? No. There's one place in the Bible, you know where it's at, where the Lord says, no, I want you to test me. It's in fact the only place other than here where the Lord says, now this was only to Ahaz, this does not apply to us. (laughs) I mean in the literal sense. It does in the figurative sense, because Jesus did say, you can ask anything. Ask anything. And if it glorifies the Father, you got it. If it's according to my will, if it's for my glory and your good, you got it. Just ask. James says it this way, you have not because you ask not. So where in the Bible does the Lord say, no, I want you to test me, besides right here with Ahaz? It's in the book of Malachi, and it's concerning the tithes and the offerings. And he says, I want you to test me. Test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that will be so massive, you won't know what to do. Think about it like this. You're going to say, stop already, too much. I will pour out an abundant blessing that will just be off the charts, over the top. The prerequisite, you have to test me. Put me to the test. Oh, but I'm not going to. No, and here's Ahaz, all spiritual. I will not test the Lord. I mean, again, it, it sounds like the right answer, right? You know what's sad? According to Second Kings chapter 16, which, by the way, I spent some time in this afternoon. It's pretty intense. I went back into my archive notes from when we were in Second Kings. It was about five, six years ago, actually. And I read through my archive notes in our study through this chapter. You know what Ahaz did? It's recorded in Second Kings 16. His own sons, he put them through the fire, sacrificing them, burning them alive to the god Molech, his own sons, detestable in the sight of the Lord, an abomination in the sight of the Lord. Sacrifice his own sons. And you know what else we're told in Second Kings 16 that he did? And this actually explains why he answers Isaiah this way. He took the money from the temple treasury, the gold, the silver, and he bribed the king of Assyria. He says, hey, buddy, old pal, have I got a deal for you. (laughs) I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse, however that goes. He basically makes a deal with the king of Assyria. And you know it's even more chilling than that, that he would do that. The plan that he had and the deal that he made actually worked, or so he thought. 
What's the point? The point is, is that he would take matters into his own hands. Instead of trusting the king of kings, as it were, he put his trust in the king of Assyria. Allied with the king of Assyria, who would ultimately turn on him in the end. How's that one? It's even worse than that. I, I don't recommend reading Second Kings 16 before you go to bed. It'll ruin your whole night's sleep. Read it, read it in the morning when God's mercies are new every morning. It's very sobering. Verse 13, then he said, this is Isaiah, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Eh, wrong answer, Ahaz. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't test the Lord when He said, no, go ahead and test me. But look what you just did. By the way, don't think for a second, the Lord already knew, because He foreknows, He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He already knew what Ahaz was up to. He already knew that this is how Ahaz was going to answer. And <laughs> that's why he inspired the prophet Isaiah to actually test him in saying, test me. It was a test that God knew he would not pass. Therefore, verse 14, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. In other words, you won't test or ask for a sign, no matter the height or the depth of it. I'll give you a sign. Here's a takeaway, just parenthetically let me say, if the Lord says, ask me for something, do it. Just do it. Ask Him. <laughs> Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. What is that sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isn't this a very famous verse that we quote, love to quote, rightfully so, in the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ? Verse 15, curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child, capitalized, shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. Watch this. This prophecy would be fulfilled, because when Jesus was virgin born, there were no more two kings of Israel. There's no kings in Israel, exactly as Isaiah said. Oh, by the way, uh, verse 14 is quoted in, I want to say it's Matthew 1 again. You know, sometimes you guys, I probably should take the time to be more accurate, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say it's Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, where this very passage is quoted and referred to 
when it is talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. And it goes something like this. It had to happen this way in order to fulfill the prophet Isaiah, who said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, I know that this is a very well-known verse, and I know that it is certainly a prophecy that points to the virgin birth of the Savior, but I would suggest that it's here for another very practical reason, and it has practical application for us, such that Emmanuel means God with us. You know those, again, I'm kind of just adding this parenthetically, Jehovah Witnesses, Jesus is not God. Mormons, Jesus, oh, He's Lord, Savior, you can have that conversation with them till the cows come home, whatever that means. (laughs) That presupposes you have cows to come home. But you can have that conversation with them, but boy, as soon as you get to Jesus is God, stop right there. To which I would say, well, okay, Emmanuel is Jesus, God with us. What are you going to do with that? What you can do with the Jehovah Witnesses do with John's Gospel, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And when you get to verse 14, John 1, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us, God with us. That's Jesus. God with us. Jesus is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So where am I going with this? Well, here's what I'm thinking again. You're in a trial that has you paralyzed in fear. This is a truth that should set you free from that fear. God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. I want to talk about that more towards the end. Now, beginning at verse 17, through to the end of the chapter, we turn a catastrophic corner, if I can call it that. I mean, it is a graphic description of the destruction, decimation, and desolation that will ensue, because Ahaz did not believe the Lord, did not trust in the Lord, and instead made this alliance with the king of Assyria. And to do that, he did so to his own peril in the end. I say that to say this, what we're about to read, as graphic as it is, as disturbing as it is, none of it needed to happen. None of what we're about to read would have happened had Ahaz but trusted God. Because he was presented with a choice. Are you going to trust me? 
Are you going to believe my word, my promise to you that this shall not come to pass, that this plot, this plan against you will not prevail? This weapon forged against you will not prevail. Are you going to believe? It's going to happen either way. But are you going to believe me? Are you going to put your trust in me? Or are you going to do what he ends up doing and put your trust in this alliance with the king of Assyria. It's really a takeaway from this for us tonight. It's this, and this is something I'm learning in my life. By trusting the Lord in those terrifying trials, and I mean there are times when it is just perilous and terrifying. I get that. I know that. I've been there. I've done that. I've tasted from that cup more times than I care to talk about. I am walking in victory, but God has been doing a profoundly deep work in my life in this area to just trust Him, to not be afraid, to not be full of fear and anxiety, to not worry and fret. Because when you trust the Lord in those terrifying trials, you will avoid needless pain and suffering in your lives. I think of that hymn of old, that classic hymn of old, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, Oh, what needless pain we bear because we don't carry everything to prayer. So you ready? Verse 17, the Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house, days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah when the kingdom was split. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will whistle for the fly. You know, kind of like what we, I can't whistle for anything, but In other words, he's going to get the flies, call them by whistling to them. That is in the farthest part of the rivers of Egypt. And for the bee that is in the land of Assyria of all places. I'm going to get them over here too. (laughs) How about that? They will come and all of them will rest in the desolate valleys and in the clefts of the rocks and on all thorns, and in all pastures. In the same day, the Lord will shave with a hired razor, with those from beyond the river, with the king of Assyria, the head, and the hair of the legs, and will also remove the beard. This is what Assyria would do. And we're not talking about going into your local, you know, barber and stylist, and they're very careful and give you a shave and a trim. You know what the Assyrians would do? They would take these blades and they would shave off all of their hair. It was a humiliation. Think King David. They did it to his servants. And they came back and they had shaven them completely to shame them, to just humiliate them and disgrace them. And David says, I'll take care of this. You guys just go over here to this retreat until all your hair grows back. I'll take care of it. And he did. <laughs> but that's what they would do. And that's what 
Isaiah is prophesying is going to happen, and it did happen. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. Holy.